Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonek Chonko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. The following conversation features Sheldon McBee, the Executive Director of Universal Athletic Club, on the topic of behavior modification. We discuss why this topic is important to be well versed in as club operators, the impact the book Atomic Habits has had on Universal's onboarding process, member retention tips, and much more. We also learn about McBee's biggest fear and the TV show he's obsessed with. Enjoy. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Hi, Sheldon. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Good, Rachel, doing really good. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you um, took time for this. I think it'll be a really interesting discussion for the audience. Yeah, I hope it will be too. I mean, I appreciate you um, having me on here for sure. I'm excited, excited to share what I can share about what we experience here at, at Universal as far yeah. as this topic. Yeah. Well, let's start by um, just getting a little bit of background on yourself. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you got started in the industry and how long you've been with Universal Athletic Club. Yeah. So I have been in the industry for 20 years. I grew up in Barnegat, New Jersey. I'm a Jersey Shore guy. And back there, sports was a big deal. And I was an athlete growing up as a kid, uh, wrestling, basketball, but football was the big sport. And, you know, from a young age, like perhaps many, many people who will listen to this, you know, athletics uh, was a big part of my life. And I wanted to stay with it as I got into the professional realm I was kind of always an overweight kid. So being able to look good and perform well is a big deal for me. So when I, when I, the way I got into the industry, I first I graduated with, with a degree in biology. I was working in a very boring laboratory in South New Jersey, testing water mm-hmm. samples. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I ended up getting my master's degree in nutrition with an emphasis on sports nutrition and performance. Um, and I got my personal training certification and began working as a personal trainer at Universal Athletic Club about 20 years ago. I did really great there. I really enjoyed it there. I'm not, this is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in case okay. you need to know. We're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, lovely area. And um, so when I started training, I got involved with um, teaching group fitness as well. And was I found Les Mills, or maybe Les Mills found me, one or the other. But I became a master trainer for them. And I learned an incredible amount with them, kind of seeing the country and the world, really learning about, you know, B2B sales and about uh, member experience and customer experience as an international trainer and program coach and, and director. So now, so now at Universal, once I hung my, my hat up from that at Universal, I, I then became working, I started working as a personal training director and now recently an executive director at the club. You know, we're, we're a hundred thousand square foot club here in Pennsylvania, over 10,000 members, uh, pretty diverse and an excellent place to raise kids, by the way. I just wanted yeah. to plug that in there. <laughs> so that's that's basically how I got started. It's been a great journey so far. Yeah. Well, congrats on the uh, recent promotion, by the way. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you'll uh, be the perfect person. And I know you're the perfect person to talk to about this topic, which is um, lifestyle modification and behavior change. I know a lot of clubs are really trying to figure out how they can help uh, more people adopt a healthy lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to talking to you about this. 
But first, you know, what knowledge is required to successfully help members make changes to their habits? What can you share about this? Yeah, this is kind of a tricky one because, well, you know, if you are a, um, a full service facility, multi-site, maybe bigger chain, perhaps you are or even a smaller one. It's like, who do you bring on and how do you train someone to have the resources to know how to integrate someone using these advanced techniques? Because I'll be quite honest, we actually don't have someone in house who we keep who is truly a behavior change or lifestyle modification specialist. We just had to learn the soft skills and get 1% better every day based on the resources that we had to start applying some of these things. Um, But yes, of course, there are certifying bodies that exist that will uh, certify the right person that you may choose to be a behavior change specialist or to be a health coach. Um, I highly doubt, unless you have that kind of resources, that someone's going to hire someone who has an advanced degree in psychology and, and lifestyle change and behavior modification. Most of us here, you know, are fitness industry people, health and wellness and fitness. So yes, you can get these certifications through certifying bodies. That's great. Um, a good thing to know is it's only recently uh, where this surge in this interest in lifestyle um, modification, behavior modification is finally working its way up to you know, owners, operators, and people involved with sales that usually has been restricted to those who specialize in dealing with people in a more intimate setting. So right now, I think the key thing to answer your question here is those who work on more of that decision-making capacity need to just start reading on the subject, just start attending more industry conferences because now this topic is becoming more and more um, robust of a topic. Um, When you go to different um, conferences, listening to webinars, Um, and look to bring on someone who is a behavior change modification specialist and just start tapping into the resources that they have and just start getting 1% better and applying a little thing at a time in the marketing pre-sale content, the point of sale experience, that immediate post-sale integration experience, and then that that long-term play. So really really that's what it is right now. You, You hire someone who specializes or just start studying the industry because it's just becoming more available today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of the resources that you actually introduced me to on this topic is the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is, you know, all about this, how to build good habits, break bad ones. How were you introduced to the book and what impact has it had at your gym? Yeah, good question. Um, So for us, we just knew that we needed to position ourselves better for our potential uh, member. Uh, one, we just made, we wanted to have a, a, a club where someone who was con- even considering this felt like it's safe, it's frictionless. I have a choice and a say in what my journey is going to look like. And that, um, and of course, we had great retention. We need retention is one of our strong points at Universal Athletic Club, want to increase that lifetime value. So the club owner, Rick Castleberry, he is a big, big time book reader. I mean, usually, Usually he's working on two, three books at a time. And if you work as a director right underneath him, you better be ready to have <laughs> books assigned to you to start speaking about in meetings and to start reporting back chapters. So of course, a few, a couple of years ago, uh, Atomic Habits was one of the books that he, uh, he found and really loved it and said, hey, look, I want to create a new culture around this club that helps us position ourselves as a place where it's not so much about the fitness, health and fitness outcome that typically for the general population is associated with high effort for a reward I might or might not get. 
Yeah. But that's more about getting like really good habits. It's accessible. I can self-determine my journey. I feel competent and like-minded people who developing a habit. So he, he recommended this book. We all were assigned the book. <laughs> we all had to read it. And we all, we have regular meetings where we discuss what we're learning from the book. And then we kind of decide, okay, how are we going to apply some of this information with our decision makers, our, our directors, sales team, even the training staff. Um, and so we learned a lot from this book. And, it, and to this day, we still refer to this book and we assign it to our new members uh, as a way to help them understand the importance of this. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you're saying about um, kind of just reframing the gym as a place where you can, you know, monitor your own journey, build better habits and moving away from just the fitness and physical exercise component. And it, you guys are a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Cause that's the shift we're seeing now in the industry, right. Um, because of the pandemic. Yeah, it is. Uh, I would say like kind of peri post-pandemic, post-pandemic, uh, post-pandemic, we are seeing a few more people, not actually a lot more people, whoever more holistic view on rejoining the facility or making that initial decision to join in the first place, more than we saw before. And more people who were looking to have uh, an improvement in their mental well-being, not just the physical. So we started to see that a lot. And so being able to apply these, some of these things really uh, helped us put into um, perspective the importance of it. And yeah, you know, Rachel, it's like you said, uh, our industry has a history of this. We have a history in the general public that in order to get this health and fitness outcome I'm looking for, it's going to require some effort, some sweat. Got to roll up my sleeves. I got to exert myself. I got to work. And, you know, and that that's just not going to tap into that 80% who say, look, I want to choose a studio or a health club or a gym as part of my solution. Most people will tend to go gravitate to a place that give them immediate gratification no matter what habit they try to choose, it's immediate gratification requires little conscious processing. And it is something that I can get um, a, an immediate sort of emotional return on my investment. And that's not always associated with exercise and choosing a gym or a health club. Usually it's the other way around. And so this is really important information for anyone who's a decision maker, operator, someone who's in marketing to say, let's, let's change the narrative here. First of all, do you have a procedure and standard operations that does support this, first of all. And then again, how do you position this to someone who's considering your facility and your marketing, your pre-sale experience, so that it is, you know, shifting toward a culture of behavior change? That's critical yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can be overwhelming for people, especially maybe some of the other 80% who have um, really big goals or they have a lot of obstacles they have to overcome. It can be so overwhelming to think about, you know, maybe losing 50 pounds. And that's what the book is really interesting because it just gets into the psychology of how to tackle big goals by starting small. Yeah, right? it, it, it does. I, lo I love that the book kind of um, really stresses that get 1% better every day. Just have bite-sized, small chunks of wins every day. It's a completely different way of thinking, and that will lead to better success. So it's, it's more about the process than the goal, really. Mm -hmm. And then what do you need to do to fall in love with the process versus falling in love with the goal? But it's interesting, Rachel, because most people, well, a lot of people I, you know, will say, look, I'm going to make a decision to join a fitness facility, hire a coach or a trainer, because I've got some extrinsic goal that's really eating at me. I, I might feel guilty or I 
I know that there's a, there's something on the other side. It's good for me. If I do this, I might not like it, but I will. Um, and so we have a unique opportunity today to help people shift the way that they think. Uh, and this book, I think, is a great example of just some real simple ways that you can uh, help inspire people to make lasting change. It's just a great book. Yeah. Yeah. Can you maybe share some examples of things you guys are doing differently in the onboarding process because of the book? Yeah, uh, definitely. So um, the, the biggest thing for us is that um, we always want to make sure somebody gets in front of a professional. That is uh, just critical for us. When we, when we, first of all, if you get in front of a sales rep to start talking about the process of joining, if, if you don't join online, which you can join online for a facility, but when you sit down with that professional for the first phase, the language is different now. We don't talk about what you're going to do, the classes you're going to take, and how you're going to get toward this goal. We start asking questions more about what is the person that you're trying to become. It's just a very different way of speaking to someone. Who do you want to be? And we typically like to ask that in three layers. Who do you want to be? Why is this important? And why is this important that you make this change today? You know, and so it just gets people communicating differently and to frame differently. Um, now, at our facility, when someone uh, gets an agreement and they, they join a facility, they can, cannot they are then assigned to a concierge who will then sit down with them and plan and map out their journey for them. So it's all about getting in front of a professional. We just really try to avoid letting someone, hey, just go work out on the main floor and enjoy it. Or giving someone that one time, that one time sit down with like a trainer, like, hey, let me just get you a trainer for one session and then see if you buy. If not, you're on your own. That is just a critical mistake that um, too, too, too many clubs do to this day. I still know facilities to this day who do this. We will commit as much human capital as we can up front to ensure people get at least, if they choose to do so, at least eight to 10 touch points planned with the staff by the time their journey uh, will either be left to them to continue on or they purchase training and move on from that. So I guess, Rachel, to answer your question in a little more detail, we, uh, we now, when someone sees a concierge, we give them a reward. We surprise them. We surprise them with like a gift basket to reward them on a decision that they made. So it makes them feel very, very special. And in that gift basket is a book. And guess what book it is? <laughs> Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Yep. yep. Everyone gets a MyZone. So they get a MyZone because we want to encourage them to think about MEPS as gamifying their choice to join the facility. So they earn these points and we, we put them in challenges and we try to communicate them a lot in the initial phase of their journey. So they feel like they're having fun, just, just moving, even if it's just a couple minutes a day, they're rewarded. And we also use Perkville to reward the decision to join the facility. And when they check into the club, we try to highlight that as much as we can so that people are starting to shift their focus away from this long-term extrinsic goal. And they're enjoying the process of doing what they're doing today. Um, and with our coaches and our trainer team, we had to sit down with the team and start talking about these soft skills a lot. Many of them have heard of the idea of you know, intrinsic motivation and what that means, but we, we never really were practicing it until we sat down as a team and started talking about the idea of this. And so what they do now more often is um, we try to allow the client to have more of a say in what their initial journey looks like. They have a choice. They have one of four directions they can go when they join the facility. We try to listen 
and guide them toward the, the path that they see best for them. So they feel bought into the process and they feel like they're not being directed. It's more about being facilitated. When the coach is coaching them and cueing them through workouts, because we give every we give every member who wants to at least four weeks of small group training on us. It's complimentary. Um, the coaches coach and cue them uniquely by allowing them a way to make a choice in what the workout looks like for them. We try to focus a lot on cueing uh, in ways that what they're doing now will immediately impact what they do when they go home and when they come and work out with us again next week. Um, so the coaches have new language and it's not focused so much on performance and on reaching an extrinsic goal. So all these are many things that we've done to shift the way we integrate somebody in, in, in the club. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are really empowering the member to be successful. Yeah, and, and you know, we're not a thousand percent there yet, but we try every day to get better and better and better at it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot more um, than maybe some of the other clubs out there. I think some operators might be hearing everything you guys are doing, like the human capital that you're dedicating to it. And they might feel like that's something that's out of their reach or that they just don't have um, the money to put behind it. What would you say to that? Is there an ROI that's down the road when you take this approach? Yeah, there is there is an ROI. I mean, you have to consider what is the, the lifetime value of the new member who joins. We, we do put a target lifetime value on each person who joins. We have an expectation that they bring an X amount of revenue. And so that's one of the first steps is to know what that number may look like for you. If you can establish that and you have some way of projecting what your revenue is going to look like per quarter, per month based on previous performance, you can then start to think about how can I invest in the right a human capital that makes sense to make this work. We just had to do make put those numbers together and make sense of it. Now we are, you know, we obviously are, are net positive because we do do this. We do have a cost of acquisition that we know. We do have, and that cost of acquisition is weaved in. We have a cost of integration that we do know, and because we know what the expected lifetime value is per client, we're able to to do that. Now, for someone who says, "Hey, look," uh, my, my ability to invest in this is really minimal. It's tough to, to do that. Okay, that's, that's fine. I say at the very least, what you want to do is just dissect the integration process and just allow someone who joins the facility. First of all, think about your marketing. When you're marketing for someone, market it in a different way so that you may augment somebody by the extrinsic goal of getting some physical result. But make sure your marketing shows people that look and sound and connect like the people who you want to join your facility. So it looks really, really inclusive. Otherwise, people won't get an immediate sense of competence. And competence is a clear factor of intrinsic motivation. So you have to feel very competent in the marketing that you deliver your vision, whatever video you use and whatever um, content and collateral you use. When you market, you need to say something very clear. Is there a particular challenge or something that, or a particular problem that you want to overcome? The second statement really needs to be by doing this particular service with us, here is exactly how it will work and how it will stick. And, and here's how we're unique and how we're different. And then in the end, you have to then say the results that you will get 
are going to be this. And it can't always be that you're going to get a, uh, you know, a lot of weight loss, stronger performance. You're going to be a better version of who you want to become. So shifting in your marketing helps people see what the journey can look like. At some point, everybody has a process where they sign an agreement. Everybody does. So whether you have a large budget to put toward human capital or not, what does that process look like? A couple of things should happen at that point. Number one, at the point that they are making, about to make the agreement, they need to see what the journey looks like for the next 90 to 100 days. It needs to be crystal, crystal clear. If it is gray, obscure, or they're not sure what it looks like, they are not going to have a good expectation about what they're about to purchase. And then they may be let down by an expectation that's not clear. So lay out the expectation in the pre-sale process, map out the journey and make sure it says how their life will be completely different once they make this buying decision. It doesn't require human capital to do that. Um, Once they actually sign the agreement and it's good and it's done, that should be made a very, very big, big deal. I mean, there should be, it should feel like a parade is being thrown for (laughs) for the fact that they sign an agreement. Now, it doesn't require an expensive gift. It could be as simple as a handwritten postcard thanking them for making this uh, decision. Now, in today's world, AI, automated communications are like king, queen, royalty of of sort of um, investing in something that doesn't require a lot of human capital. But just know this, you know, people aren't stupid. People know when they get automatic automated communication sent to them. Yeah. You know, saying, hi, thank you for this buying decision. And we'll look to see you at the club. Here's what to expect. At some point, someone, whether it's director, owner, or someone in the integration path has to make a personal touch point to integrate someone. The more staff interaction you have, the more likely someone's going to be happy about the decision they made. So it's just about, Rachel, just about scaling it down, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all great advice. I liked what you were saying too, about um, giving the customer a clear expectation of what they're um, going to experience or achieve because fitness, I think the reason it's been so challenging, it, it is kind of an ambiguous concept. It's not a product that you can just buy off a shelf, right? Yeah, it is. It is not. It is not. To be honest, uh, the way we try to look at it, at least, is that people are are actually having a transaction in order to be a better version of who they are. That is what they're actually purchasing. So the more you can make that apparent and clear in your value propositions to your marketing, the more people will start to perceive this buying decision is not a goal but a better version of themselves. I, I'm, I'm kind of talking a little pie in the sky here, but this this can be done through very smart marketing integration strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything else that you learned from the book um, or have incorporated based off of the book that would be interesting um, to others before we move on to some other topics? Well, let's see, I, I can say this. I mean, if anyone, hopefully anyone who listens to this later is going to go out and get that book. You're probably going to hear four big tips in the book. Uh, they stick with us, at least. Um, one of them is that we had to learn that if someone is going to develop a habit when they join our facility, they have to learn to make being physically active through our uh, channels as, very, as a very obvious thing to do. So it, can, it has to be frictionless, basically. How frictionless can you make the process? So um, when someone joins the facility, as few steps as possible to get them in the facility and going or in front of a coach is is needed with as few handoffs as possible. Now, we do have a lot of human capital in our process, but we try to mitigate the clumsiness of the handoff by introducing people to staff and community as early as possible in the process. Small group training and group fitness is like our, is our backbone here. Yeah. 
So as early as possible, when we get someone to introduce them to the coach, the people who they'll be with, um, that does help. Um, it also needs to be, the book also talks about being attractive, meaning the habit I'm forming has to feel attractive. So getting people to join social groups, part of small group training, we try to get people to do four weeks of small group training early, right away in the integration process, because they're forming these little mini tribes and they don't ever want to leave them. It's all they know when they join the facility and they tend to stick because the fact that I'm doing something for my health and wellness is good and all, but I'm actually really enjoying the people who I'm around right now. And we just try to point people that way. Um, and, and, you know, we try to use technology to support this. You know, we use Perkville to reward good habits. We use MyZone to also reward small little, you know, bite-sized chunks of exercise they do and make quite a big deal out of it. And we reward them with that gift of the book. So we, that's some things that we try to do that we learn from the book. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other um, tips for fostering member retention and engagement that you all do at Universal Athletic Club? Yeah. Um, you know, it's all about, well, I mentioned before about, you know, pre-sale um, in order to, to make member retention really work for us. As I mentioned before, it's all about getting someone in front of a professional, get them in front of a professional before the, the before someone actually says, Hey, I want to join your facility, pre-frame the experience for them. Make sure they know clearly what the journey is going to look like and put as many faces as you can for them uh, in, in, as part of the process. If they're going to be handed off to a coach that needs to happen immediately. So essentially what you're trying to do is mitigate the quiet zone. The quiet zone is the, is the point when someone actually says, Hey, I want to join your facility. And then there's this lag time that happens. Yeah. could be two, two, three days where they either might, they could potentially not hear anything from you. You want to close the quiet zone and ensure they get immediate communications, congratulating them on the decision and, and clearly tell them what is happening next. So there's no gap in time where fear starts to rise and the buyer's remorse starts to kick in. And then when you begin the integration process, yes, get them in front of, of the professional, but the key thing to do is to lower their learning curve. You want to do everything you can to ensure that whatever they're about to start doing, it doesn't require a heavy amount of conscious processing. As quickly as you can to get it to non-conscious processing, secondary habit, you try to dial that up. So get them in front of uh, your, you know, I, I personally do suggest as much as you can give away in integrating someone in either small group training or being coached or personal training upfront just to integrate someone, it's worth the investment of the person's time, whether or not they are investing a lot of money in the uh, service up front, the member. We just find that our, our, our retention is very, very high because of this. And we are seeing higher lifetime value by investing in using coaches and trainers and small group training up front. And, you know, if you can try to structure, try to structure a way to reward people for regular uses and check-ins um, during the first 90 to 100 days. That's just critical. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are all great pieces of advice. Well, anything else on um, just lifestyle modification or behavior change before I ask some, for some more book recommendations? <laughs> well, well, I mean, we talked about a lot. I would say that if there's anything I can just share with anyone listening who has not given this any thought or consideration, it is to just start learning about this. Go ahead and just start with this book I gave you. It's great. But there are, there are a lot of resources to go to uh, another, another, um, another good book. And I think we, we might talk about this later, but another good book that 
we started looking at recently, which is a fun read, was uh, was reading No Sweat by Michelle Seeger. We kind of love okay. this book. Um, it actually taught us a very simple, simple rules that, you know, people need to make autonomous decisions to exercise and they need to they need to always make this, this decision that is done in a way that they get instant gratification when they walk into your facility. So instant gratification can come in many forms and is often like here's another example for us that we did this recently. Actually, we used to give member awards away. We still do, actually. So if someone joins facility, as long as they check into the club frequently enough over the course of their first month, we give them we give them credit back to the facility to use to or whatever service that they would like. We recently switched the game a little bit, and now we offer people a reward through our like our cafe every time they actually yeah. check into the club. It's free and it's complimentary coffee, protein shakes and things like that. Just for what you could walk into the facility and not even work <laughs> out. Just walk right back out. Doesn't matter. You still earned it. You just want the habit to form. Yeah. So just think what what bite sized chunk wins can I give my members when they join the facility so they get instant gratification? Okay. I'll have to check that book out. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another book yeah. I'd recommend though, Rachel, too, is another one. Good one. Joey Coleman, never lose a customer again. Okay. I'll have to check that one out too. Um, what was that one about? Yeah. Never lose a customer again. Um, it's by Joey Coleman. It's a great book. It, it basically is another, many of us who, you know, are club operators, you own a facility or you manage member integration and sales, you know about what a, what a client journey is. This book just gives you a unique perspective on a client journey with very, very simple and applicable tools uh, on how to enhance it. And it is essentially a book that gives you clear methodology in creating like raving fans and advocates um, by the time they're about 100 to 120 days into their journey. And so it'll start you in the very beginning when someone's in that, that what they call like an awareness phase, when they're first learning about who you are, what are the best things to do? When someone is pre-agreement, what are the best ways for you to personalize your touch points and to capture personal information that you can use as a trigger to surprise them with gifts, rewards, and, and, and sort of uh, personal, personal touch points so they feel special? They have great tips on what you do on the agreement, the integration, when someone's getting results, how to get advocates and how to avoid someone getting to that, that scary exit phase when they're choosing to say, okay, I don't want your service anymore and how to mitigate that, manage that. Great book. Never lose a customer again. Okay. I'll add that one to the list. Yep. Awesome. Well, you've gave, given us a lot of really good food for thought. Um, you know, so I would like to end on a fun fact about yourself. Um, what would be, people be surprised to know about you, Sheldon? Yeah, well, I've got two of them for you, if you don't mind here. Here's yes. What, one of them is kind of a funny one. Uh, if my wife was sitting in here. She'd laugh out loud hearing me say this. But I have self-diagnosed myself with something called, uh, it's called, uh, I pronounced this the wrong way, scala, scalapendrophobia. Okay. I think I said that right. I, I, this is a fear of centipedes. I've got a fear of centipedes. Now, I never heard of what a house centipede was until I moved here in Pennsylvania from New Jersey. And I got my uh, place here. I was walking up the stairs and I saw this thing on the wall with legs the size of my fingers. And I almost died. <laughs> and it took me about five hours to build the courage to find this thing and uh, expose of it, I should okay. say. So to this day, I can't deal with it. I can't. I literally got to get 
my daughters or my wife to go kill this thing for me or something. But I heard it's not a good idea to do this. I heard you actually want to keep them alive because they, they get rid of spiders in your house. Hmm. But <laughs> the second thing here is um, some, many people don't notice about me, but I am a huge fan of Game of Thrones. Um, I actually run, I actually watch Game of Thrones. This is my, I'm on my fifth run through of it. All really? <laughs> my fifth time. And I've read all, all the books once over. I'm now on my third time reading two of the books because I just love it. I, matter of fact, if anybody throws a trivia question to me about Game of Thrones, I, I probably got it in here. That's awesome. I am also um, a Game of Thrones fan, not as dedicated as you, <laughs> but I, I definitely love that show. And the centipede thing I can relate to. Um, I don't. Yeah. If you live in other states, you might not have seen one, but they, they are terrifying. Yeah, they don't look like they're from this earth, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sheldon, for coming on here and talking about this very important topic. I think uh, it was really great. And I think everyone definitely learned some practical tips that they can incorporate. And I hope everyone goes out and reads the book because it really is um, extremely insightful. Yeah, Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.